Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. You want to thank our worship team for that wonderful worship. And especially Alexis for that spoken word. Thank you so much, Alexis. That was great. It's great to have some visitors with us this morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm David Wright, president here at Indiana Wesleyan University. I think most of our visitors over here, would you welcome them? Great to have you all with us today. And for those of you that are ministering this weekend or competing this weekend in one of our teams or whatever your activities are, I hope you have a great, a great weekend. Good luck to those that are competing. I guess our football guys are going up to Olivet Nazarene to help them celebrate their homecoming this weekend. So guys, uh, don't be generous, okay? <laughs> That's great. So every year, for many years now, we've chosen a verse of the year. And it's, uh, it's my privilege now to make that final decision. We, we get suggestions for what the verse of the year should be, and, uh, and then we make uh, that choice uh, together. And then we share about that verse and think about it, use it to guide our corporate life during, during the year as a community. So today I want to read that verse for you and share just a few thoughts with you about how I think that verse shapes and guides our conversation and our trajectory, our purpose as a Christian academic community. It's, uh, it's from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 20. Here's what Paul says. We don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once, and we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now, we look on the inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, and a new life burgeons. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him, and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. And God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself. We're Christ's ambassadors. This is the line that struck me as I was thinking about our community and praying about what our verse ought to be for this coming year. This verse got a hold of me. And that line, we're Christ's representatives, or in other translations, we're Christ's ambassadors. I've shared before, many of you know, I, I was born in the Philippines and, and I grew up there. I'd been in the U.S. a couple times, once when I was two, once when I was nine for a few months, but I really didn't know much about the United States until we moved here to, to live when I was 15. And so I, my experience was growing up in the U.S. and I knew that I was an American, I knew my parents were Americans, and I knew even as a child growing up that because my parents were citizens of the U.S., that I too was a citizen 
of the United States, but I had never really experienced the United States. I, I didn't really know what that country was like. Its values, how it looked, what it's, how its people were, the language, though we spoke English, a lot of my language, my time was spent with my Ilocano friends, and, and uh, so I didn't really know about America. But every now and then, we would go to the embassy. And uh, there was something about the embassy of the United States in Manila that was intriguing, kind of mysterious. It would get my attention. Because somehow I knew that even though I was born and grew up in the Philippines, and in many ways felt way more Filipino than I did American, I knew that somehow that embassy represented the country to which my citizenship belonged. And when I would go into that embassy, it was though I was actually going into part of that country and interacting with people from that country. Well, you know, it turns out that embassies are the places where ambassadors live. And so I got to thinking about this if Christ has called us to be ambassadors, what if we would begin to think of Indiana Wesleyan University as an embassy of heaven? What if this place where we live and study and work is a little bit of heaven plopped down in the middle of the cornfields of central Indiana, and you and I are representatives of that country? What would that mean? for the way we think of ourselves and the work that we do, and the way that we conduct ourselves as ambassadors. As I got to thinking about that, I think there are three things that are true about an embassy of heaven that I hope and pray become true about us. You see, I think the world is hungry for the embassies of heaven. I think the world wants to see something about heaven. The first thing I want to tell you about is I think the embassy of heaven is a place of transformation. It's a place where old things become new. It's a place where the life we've once lived, the kind of person we've been, somehow gets transformed to be more like that country that we really truly belong to. There's a verse here that Paul says, anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. Now, if there was anybody in life who needed a fresh start, it was the Apostle Paul. Do you remember his story? He was someone who had lived according to the values and the purposes of this world. He had lived a violent life towards those who were not like himself, who didn't share his values, for whom he, about whom he was afraid. He wanted to suppress them. He needed a fresh start. There was something about his past that he needed to leave behind, to be freed from. You know, I think this is one of the biggest challenges for us because every one of us, it doesn't matter whether we've been like Paul and actually persecuted people or done violence towards them, though perhaps that's been the story for some of us, but it doesn't matter if we've gone to those extremes, all of us need to be transformed according to the purposes and the values of heaven to become like Jesus. There's something about this process of becoming an ambassador that means you and I need a fresh start. 
I love how the Apostle Paul puts this in Romans. He says, don't be so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I mean, isn't that the way it is? We get lulled into this ability just to go along with the crowd. We get so well adjusted to what's around us that it shapes us. It shapes our words, our responses, our actions, and uncritically, we just fit in. But Paul says instead, fix your eyes on God. You need to be changed from the inside out, he says. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I remember many, many years ago now, friends, when, when I was a student here and sat in chapel, we sat in a church building that doesn't exist anymore. It's where the Ott Hall is the old college church building. But, it, but I would sit in chapel where you sit, sit now, three days a week, and there were some wonderful times there. The best was after I started dating Helen, and I got to, that was when I got to sit with Helen <laughs> through chapel. But I remember times when God would speak into my life, into my heart, and challenge me about how I was so well-adjusted to the things and the ways and the process of this world that I needed a transformation inside of me. I needed to learn to think differently. I needed to see people around me differently. I needed to be reshaped to get a new life. And this was the process that God used so many people, but certainly that he did with me here at Indiana Western University. Several years ago, Dr. Lowe shared a story with me that I think is so true for us when we sit in these classes and chapels. It's a wonderful story of a transformation that one of your peers who's now graduated experienced this transformation. Here's what he wrote to Dr. Lowe. He said, when Dr. Lowe finished his message, he gave an altar call, or more like a standing call. I'm usually not one to want to stand during these. In fact, I hate it, he said. But 11.46 on that chapel day, I stood, and I stood strong. When I sat down, I was no longer an addict. There's no way to describe it other than a complete transformation. Because I was not the same person. That moment forever changed me. In an instant, by a small act of faith, I was completely set free from an addiction to pornography of over nine years. I write this one year and 147 days clean of pornography. My future marriage has been saved by a faithful little Chinese pastor, sorry, Dr. Lo, <laughs> who most likely prayed for hours over a message that God showed up powerfully in. Experiencing freedom from pornography was a gift that I never thought was possible, but I'm so grateful I received it. An embassy of heaven is a place where the most difficult and intractable things that have a hold of our lives, God can transform. Amen? And he wants to do that with all of us here. He wants to do it with the people 
that we bring to this place. The embassy of heaven is also a place of reconciliation. Here's what Paul says. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah. And God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences with each other and enter into God's work of making things right between them. You see, the most fundamental issue in life is not what you know, it's not even who you know, it is that you come to be reconciled with the one who created you. This more than any other thing will determine the kind of life that you are able to live, the kind of adjustments you have within yourself, the relationships you have with other people, what you draw upon in your career, the way that you serve others, the fundamental truth for us, the most important thing in all of life is not going to be this degree that you get from us. It is that you come to have your life reconciled with the God who created you. This is the truth. And Paul gives us this idea of saying, this is what ambassadors do. This is what embassies do. If IWU is a little bit of heaven plopped down in the cornfields of Indiana, a place where heaven is kind of present in the embassy, it's got to be a place where reconciliation goes on. Where not only we get reconciled with God, but we learn how to reconcile with each other. It's not that we become all alike. We don't. We can't. We have different experiences. We have different DNA. We've been raised differently. We have different convictions. But here's what happens when we get reconciled with God and God begins to use us to reconcile with each other. The old, broken, suspicious, alienated relationships that we once had are replaced with loving and mutually enriching relationships. Do you believe that? Do you think that can really happen? How does it happen? Well, in Romans again, Paul gives us some pretty good advice for how to be reconciled and reconcilers. What do you think of this advice? Don't hit back. Does it sound like kindergarten? Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everyone. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, God says. I'll take care of it. Just remember, friends, if IWU is a little bit of heaven plopped down in the middle of the cornfields of Indiana and we somehow are representatives of that other country that we're citizens of and we're representing it in this world, don't be so well adjusted to this culture that you're living in that you automatically respond in the way this culture says you should respond. Because I got to tell you, that word right there is just about as countercultural as you can get right now, isn't it? Don't hit back. Don't do your judging. Discover the beauty in everybody. Discover what God sees in those around you. 
Get along with everybody. Last spring, I had, a, I had an amazing experience, and some of you got to share that experience with, with us. And, uh, you know, I, I, learned to, I learned a lot about one of your fellow students who's graduated now, Brittany Washington, who was point guard for our women's basketball team. Remember, Brittany, those of you that are upper class students will remember her. And, uh, you know, Brittany started talking to her coach, and she was saying, Coach, I want to kneel during the, during the, the, the anthem to, to, because I'm, I'm a leader on campus, and I, I want to highlight what it's like for African-American students and African-Americans in this country, and I think I need to use my place as a student leader to highlight that, and I, I want to kneel. Is that going to be all right? Well, that started a long process of us in being in conversation with Brittany to say, okay, what's that about? How... Should we do that? Is, is that the best way? What, what's in your mind? What's in your heart? Would you talk to us about that? And so, you know, finally when, when I got involved and eventually they said, Dr. Wright, President, do we allow this at IWU? <laughs> and I had the chance to sit down and get to know Brittany. And we start to unpack that. You know, pretty soon it wasn't political. It wasn't, here's a black woman and a white man. It was two people living in an embassy of heaven, trying to figure out what's really going on here and how do we make sense of this and move forward? And I, I made some notes along the way after I got to know Brittany a little bit and understand where she was coming from. And here's the things I wrote down about her. I said, the problem is not that she doesn't value the American dream. The problem is that she doesn't think the American dream values her. The problem is not that she doesn't want to stand up for America. The problem is she doesn't think America will stand up for her. The problem is not that she doesn't love America. The problem is that she doesn't think America loves her. And her way of trying to do something about that was to say, I'm going to kneel during the national anthem. So I, I said to Brittany, Brittany, you know what? If that's what you want to do, I'm not going to forbid you to do it, but I think there's a better way. What if we were to have some fireside chats together with people in residence halls so that you could share your experience and we could talk through what, what this is like and what, how we need to change as a community, how we need to understand each other. And to her credit, Brittany said, eventually, I'll do that. So we had these amazing experiences of sitting down with small groups of people in your residence halls. I wish more of you could have come to them. And I sensed the power of the Holy Spirit in those conversations in ways, frankly, that I have not yet experienced in our conversations with each other about how to be an embassy of heaven. Now for you, it, it may not be that you're an African-American person trying to navigate this community, but you've got some issue in your life. You've got something in your life that causes you to be unreconciled with the people around you. And what God wants to do is begin to work with us to learn how to reconcile and be reconciled. Here's the thing. 
We hear a lot about systemic issues, systemic injustices. We hear a lot about the cycle. And I always have a problem with that. And my problem is this. It makes it impersonal. I don't doubt that there are systems at work. There, there are theological systems at work. It took me a long time. I mean, this sounds crazy, but I was so steeped in Wesleyan holiness tradition that it took me a long time to really be able to worship well with brothers and sisters who didn't come from my theological tradition. That wasn't about race. That was about how I was raised to think about my faith. But we all have it. My problem with systems is that I think at the end of the day, let's get real, you and I, we live on this campus. And literally, Helen and I live on this campus with you and the RDs and the RAs. We live here. Whether this becomes an embassy of heaven is the way you and I are going to make it. By our actions, by our words, by the way we interact with each other. Yes, there are systems at work, but here's what I want to ask you. Would you join me in breaking the cycle? Let's opt out of these systems and begin to see each other as the valued people whom God loves and who is reconciled to himself. Therefore, we need to be reconciled with each other. Amen? Are you with me? We can do this. And in doing it, we can become something the world can look at and say, oh, that's, that's what heaven looks like. I want some of that. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run from dear, from dear life from what's evil. Hold on for dear life to what's good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. You know what second fiddle is? Well, ask someone who knows. <laughs> Let me tell you the last one. I've got to hurry on here. Heaven's embassy is a place of delegation. See, ambassadors don't represent themselves. Jesus has delegated to us the task of representing him in this world. Here's what he says. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. We're speaking for Christ himself. Wow. I challenge it. Try this. Go back and look at your last 25 texts and ask yourself, I'm speaking for Christ. Is that what he would have said? We're his ambassadors. I think what God wants us to do is evangelize the world's imagination. You see, you see, the world can't imagine a better self, a better country, a better world.